So my wife's a minister. In the 1980s, being a lesbian Baptist pastor, we knew them all. <laughs> we, we knew all of them. Martha Olney is a teaching professor of economics at UC Berkeley. She met her wife, Esther Hargis, in 1980 as a graduate student at Berkeley. For her career, she needed to be really careful. Um, and I think she needed to be more careful initially than I needed to be. And that was fine because um, she's frankly the best preacher I'd ever heard in my life. It's still true. And um, I very much supported her ministry. So, you know, it was a choice that we made. There were some of my friends here in graduate school who knew we were a couple, but it was not something that you told people. After Martha got her PhD, she took a job as an assistant professor of economics at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Esther soon joined her and got a job as a chaplain at UMass. They came out to a few people, but they were still really cautious about who knew they were together. What does yeah. it look like to be like partially out but not totally out? What does that mean? What's the difference? It means you're constantly aware of who's around and thinking about the context and the and the setting and um, always being aware of what you're saying. It takes a lot of work. Then, on April 25th, 1993, there was the March on Washington for lesbian, gay, and bi-equal rights and liberation. It was an experience that would change their outlook on what it meant to be gay in the United States. This is Fiat Vox. I'm Ann Bryce. Martha and Esther had moved to the Bay Area by this time, and Martha had been splitting her time between UMass and Berkeley, teaching one semester at one campus and then one semester at the other. The two met up in Washington. There you were in Washington, D.C., with at least a million, if not more, um, other gay folk. And the experience of... It was just a mind-blowing experience. So, you know, the experience started in Dulles Airport where you get off the plane and you look around and it's like, oh my God, I've never seen this many gay people together in one place in my life. Uh, and then you take the, the metro into downtown D.C. and it's like, oh my God, I've never seen this many gay people together in one place in my life. And, and it was just, it was, it was the most amazing experience. It's time to stand up and look America directly in the eye and say, I am not a second-class citizen. I demand immediate equality now in all aspects of life. Even people who they assumed would be opposed to the march were actually there to celebrate. We had lunch in the, in the cafeteria in the, in the American History Museum, and um, the Daughters of the American Revolution were having their conference in D.C. at the same time. The Daughters of the American Revolution, or the DAR, is a conservative organization for women who are directly descended from someone involved in the American Revolution. And so we were in the cafeteria line, and, and we were coming up on the desserts, and there were these two women from Texas in line um, behind us. And one of the women says, Honey, would you like a piece of pie? Oh, sure, sweetheart, that'd be great. And it's like, Oh, 
are you here for the march? Yes, we are. And it was like, oh, my God, even the people that you look at and you think they're there for the really conservative convention are there for the march. We are brave enough to live in the light. We are brave enough to step out of the closet. We are brave enough to recognize that we love each other, that we have a right to love each other, that we have a duty to love each other. And you someday shall all be free. And someday we shall all live in the light. Thank you. I think that march had a huge effect um, because I think that that it was impossible for everybody who was at that march to turn around and go back home and go back in the closet. But it wasn't until a big life decision that they felt they had no choice but to live a fully out life. After the march, Martha says she was less focused on herself and more focused on the ministry of being out what it meant to be religious and part of the LGBTQI plus community. There's such a dominant message in so many of the churches that kids are growing up in of, of homosexuality is bad, evil, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, sin and so on, all that language. And it just really schmucks up people's heads, you know? And so to be part of a ministry where the message was, um, God made you, God don't make junk it you know god made you god loves you god don't make junk and that that was just that was that just became really important to me to all of us by 1996 martha was teaching economics at uc berkeley full-time and esther had become the pastor of the first baptist church of berkeley three years later they adopted their son jimmy It was during the adoption process that Esther decided she needed to officially come out to the congregation. We both felt really strongly that we had to be out because there was no way to raise a child and say, oh, honey, when you go to kindergarten, you can't call us both mom, right? You can't can't do that to a four and five-year-old. And so deciding to become parents um, meant deciding we were going to be completely out in our lives because it just, it couldn't be any other way as moms. As a professor, Martha made a point to mention during class that she had a woman partner. Um, I would mention at the time, I would say my partner, she. So, you know, in some context, there was something where I made sure I said my partner and then I used the pronoun she. And now I say my wife. Every time she'd come out to her classes, there'd be students who visited her office afterwards where they would come out to her and tell her about their experiences. Some would talk about how they didn't know how to tell their parents they were gay. It clearly made a difference. It was very scary the first few times I did it because I was afraid that there would be um, hecklers. There never have been hecklers. So there was a time when it was really important. I don't know that it's still as important as it was. Um, Probably, I think being 18 or 19 years old and being queer, depending on where you grow up, still takes some bravery. Martha is also on the Lavender Cal Outlist. It's a list of faculty and staff who identify as part of the LGBTQI community. It got started in the 1990s, first in print, then online, as a way for students to know who was queer on campus. Martha says she learns a lot about what it's like to live as a young gay person from her 21-year-old son, Jimmy, who is now a junior at Vassar College.
all the opportunities you used to be excluded from when you realized you were gay. That's not true anymore. You know, 20, 30 years ago, oh, I'm gay, I can't get married. Now, Martha says, same-sex couples can get married wherever they want and can have kids together in different ways, whether it's through adoption, insemination, or surrogacy. There's a certain freedom that exists today that she didn't have for much of her adult life. Her son Jimmy has written several pieces about both the power of just being out and being yourself, but also the risk that it brings with it. She remembers how Jimmy would walk hand-in-hand with his first boyfriend as a sophomore in high school. There was an older gay man that walked up to them in some store where they were walking along holding hands, and and the guy had said to them how how proud it made him that these two kids could be holding hands and how he'd never had that opportunity. And, um, and he just wanted to say something to them about, you know, what, what a wonderful change there is in the world. So I was like, okay, but I still, I'm your mother. I still want you to be careful. There have also been times where Jimmy's been out with a boyfriend and has become aware of someone following them. And he won't take the BART anymore after someone sat behind him and whispered death threats in his ear. There's this combination of freedom uh, where you can be out with your boyfriend and holding hands um, and risk. So I think no victories are ever won on a permanent basis. We see that right now with abortion rights. I think that's true with marriage rights. So I think that we always have to remain vigilant. It wasn't until after same-sex marriage became legal in the U.S. in 2015 that Martha and Esther felt comfortable holding hands in public. You know, when you're a new couple, you figure out whose hand goes in front and whose goes behind and how do you put the fingers together. And it's taking us, you know, we, we finally sort of have it down, but we've been together 35 years and we're just sort of figuring out how, when we hold hands, how do we do it? For Berkeley News, I'm Ann Bryce. You can subscribe to Fiat Vox wherever you find your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. You can find more episodes of Fiat Vox on Berkeley News at news.berkeley.edu slash podcasts.